0: Hello everyone and welcome to the latest episode of our anxiety series which just happens to be our first episode in mental health awareness month. We just had the most amazing conversation and I say that all the time. Oh my gosh
1: it's like everything I've ever wanted to hear my whole life (laughs) spoken in that one interview. It's so amazing. Yeah totally. You know I love the brain. We just talked with Dr. Trish Lee,
0: who's a scientist who studies the brain, and talked to us today about neurofeedback and how you can train your brain to get into a positive thought loop and combat anxiety, ADHD, depression, and all those things. It was so fascinating to know that there's something out there that you can do for your brain.
1: So amazing and completely fascinating the thing that really caught my attention at the end, she talks about one of her kids came up to her and said, I'm doing this project for the president. And what's the one thing that you think would be the most beneficial to make such a huge impact in our society? And she said, neurofeedback.
2: Yeah.
0: Yeah. I remember when I was first dealing with anxiety, we went to a doctor in Arizona who I remember was kind of talking about neurofeedback, was kind of talking about brain patterns and positive and negative thought loops but this was in I don't know 2010 2012 yeah and it was very early days I feel like it wasn't common knowledge that this is something you could do for yourself and I remember talking this through and it just really opened our eyes then but I I think maybe I moved away right after that we didn't really take it too far, but I know having that exposure to it early on made me more open-minded to different practices.
1: Actually, I attribute that doctor to kind of some of the great progress we've made in our family with our health. Dr. Lee talks about how it's not complicated, but it's not something commonly talked about. And so because she understands the science behind it and because she can explain it so clearly, it makes it so much more accessible, I guess. And so that's part of the struggle that she and other doctors face is really sharing their passion and excitement and the science behind it so that people can get what they need. That's so great. So she's a scientist. She has all these amazing degrees, but she's also an educator, and it's really cool because she's also educating other doctors about how to talk with their patients about neurofeedback. She's also educating people about how to make changes in their own lives um, involving the data they find from the neurofeedback.
0: She really is so passionate about it, and she even said that some people are like, did you come up with this concept? Did you create this? Is this your medical discovery? And she's like, no, no, I just love it so much. (laughs) Yeah, I wish I had. (laughs) That's really great. And it's not radical. It's just not totally common knowledge right now. You're really just educating yourself about the brain and then putting that into practice, making positive changes. So it's just a step forward in your progress. It's not anything to be Afraid of or hesitant about, in my opinion.
2: And I do think it's really important to note since you kind of brought that up, but there is a lot of science behind it and research that she was willing to kind of share with us a bit about. And like she kind of brought up, are you giving me false hope or is it just, you know, overly optimistic? Yep.
0: She's a pragmatic optimist. Yeah. Just like me. Yep.
2: Me too. (laughs) Me too. Yep. It's all about those positive feedback loops. And if we're all kind of on that good baseline, brainwave, basically, <laughs> then we'll be, it'll be kind of a positive impact all across the board with everything we do and how we feed off of each other's energies and stresses.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely.
2: I, uh, I really loved learning about the different brain speeds and how they all impact us and kind of relating to... How we feel during the day, whether we're asleep, whether we're groggy, calm, calmly focused, or just stressed or anxious.
1: Low beta is where you're most productive at about 15 hertz. And so staying in that sweet spot is kind of the goal.
0: And I know right now a lot of us are in like the 60 to 70 hertz <laughs> range. <laughs> we're, we're at 120 hertz. Um, yeah, so, you know, and we just talked about things you can do throughout the day to remind yourself yourself that you're doing a good job, putting positive energy into your brain all the time, reading positive things, watching positive things, and rewarding your small feats. She was saying, you know, if you, you haven't left your house in a while because you have anxiety and you go out of the house and you take your kid to the zoo, which is an example she used, buy yourself a cup of coffee. Like, do something that reminds you that you're doing a good job because then your brain is going to keep doing a good job.
2: Absolutely it really just reminded me of everything that she was talking about, like those games that you can play or those videos you can watch to help kind of train yourself into maybe transitioning between those speeds or getting a good healthy pattern in your life. I'll have to look into it, but I was thinking of those binaural beats, those different sound waves that you can listen to, to help yourself focus. I love doing that sometimes when you need to relax or study or whatever it might be. Um, So I wonder if that's related.
0: Yeah. And she talks about watching calming movies opposed to watching thrillers and action films or reading calming books yes whatever it is she she said that usually she'll watch comedians in cars getting coffee or something and one night she watched john wick which she loves mm-hmm. and she said she never yells but she went up and yelled at the kids for causing a ruckus and she was like oh my gosh it's because my brain was in the 60 million hertz from the movie
1: you know well you know what's funny about that is I get a lot of flack at home because I used to watch really like Crazy th- shows, or I'd watch like Dateline NBC or news shows in the morning or
2: over the world around us.
1: <laughs> yes, exactly. I would start it with the Today Show, which I'm sorry, but I love Savannah and Hoda so much. But you know, watching all of that news is too much. So now I only like to watch nice things, I only like to watch comedies, lovely movies, and television shows. Because I know how that makes me feel. So I just don't watch that stuff anymore. But
0: maybe not a comedy that's really high functioning, like slapstick comedy. <laughs>
1: maybe a very well thought out, <laughs> mellow comedy. Yeah. <laughs> you know, what I thought was really fascinating that she mentioned is this can also be really helpful, not only for people with anxiety, ADHD. She's also helping people with their addiction to pornography. And she talks a bit about video game addiction as well. It's just interesting to hear kind of the times that we're in. And and those are also things that, you know, a lot of people struggle with, but they don't talk about. Yeah. And those are two things that are affecting a lot of
0: teens and young people. And maybe they don't know that it's affecting them in the way that they do. But she was saying that when you're watching a super mellow show, you have this sort of low level of brain hurts moving this is not the scientific (laughs) jargon and then (laughs) but basically she was saying that video games are off the charts
2: absolutely and i think it is you know as someone who likes video games too and uh, has forever um, i do think that what she says really has a lot of value too and we don't want to scare people away from ever doing that just like she said any screen we're using hits us with that frequency right so we're going to watch that screen time you know like she said moderation with all of that too
1: Yes, exactly.
2: And I did want to say I know um, quite a few people who work in the game design industry. And one of my best friends, actually, you know, she has her master's of science in game design. And she worked on a lot of games that were helping people learn skills exactly like um, what she talked about today, you know, but like she said, everything we have to moderate.
1: I think that's really fascinating. and I'm so glad that she touched upon that. You know, there's not one right way to handle it. But I know that as a parent and a lot of my friends, we're kind of struggling to figure out what the right thing is with our kids, allowing them to do things that are social for them and also things that they love and find pleasure in and also giving them that time to live life and spend time doing things other than that Yeah, exactly also because we have some control over it right
2: yeah and I think it's so valuable too because we can make a huge difference as individuals we can go out into the world and try to help as many people as we can but my favorite part of what we talked with her today about was how she's helped others to do that so she helps to teach others to be more prepared to go out there and do that work themselves making a bigger impact yeah
0: Yeah. So we had the best time talking with Trish. Obviously, we were all so thrilled to hear her expertise. And I'm sure you'll enjoy this interview too. So please grab a cup of tea and enjoy.
2: Health is understanding what you need.
1: Being informed. Finding that balance of mental and physical. Building yourself
2: a support system. Figuring things out on my own and not letting it hold me back.
1: You do kind of have to advocate for yourself.
2: Because health, it's personal.
1: Hi, Trish. How
0: are you? Hey, I'm great. How are you? We're doing so great. It's so great to meet you. Thank you so much for doing this. We're so excited to talk to you.
3: Yeah, no problem. Yeah, me too. This is really cool. Very cool of what you're doing. Yeah, thanks so much. Uh, Really cool what you're doing. Yeah, I love it. People ask me all the time if I invented neurofeedback, which (laughs) cracks me up because (laughs) it's been around for, you know, like 75 years. That's awesome. But because I'm so passionate about it, they just, think like it's my baby but obviously it's not and I tell them that it's older than me but I'm so excited to be doing this work that uh you know that hopefully that passion is what people are picking up yeah yeah it sounds like it so we know you
0: have many degrees and interests of course do you mind explaining to us a bit about your background in the medical field sciences and what you're doing now yeah, sure, absolutely.
3: So uh, I was thinking about this, and I t- I tell people all the time that really this profession and this passion has found me instead of me finding it. And I think that is the way that you know people who really love their work that is how it comes to them. Right. So I started as a speech language pathologist, but it's interesting, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty, not foresight. <laughs> but when I started. I knew it wasn't completely for me, even from the get-go. But I loved the idea of speech-language pathology because I've always spoken of communication as being, and it is, it's proven to be the number one aspect of quality of life after health. Wow. Okay. So, you know, if you can't communicate, and when people lose their communication skills through stroke or traumatic brain injury or young mm. children who can't communicate, it's a completely different world and if you want to do an exercise don't talk to anybody for the next 24 hours make it two hours and you'll see you know how you know don't interact at all and you'll see how much communication impacts your quality of life it's amazing and you know working with people who've lost their communication skills that's very apparent
2: it's difficult to work through
3: yeah so in in that I began as a speech language pathologist but I went back for my PhD and I always call it a PhD and a half. <laughs> technically it's technically it's two PhDs but I only had to do one dissertation. Oh that's nice. So yeah that is nice. And what happened was and it's so funny because as I talk and as I talk with you about how brains work at the end of our discussion you'll totally understand how mine operates once I tell you how they operate. <laughs> oh, but, that's great. Uh, <laughs> when I went back for my PhD, I'd already taken all the courses. So I took a lot of extra courses in my master's degree. So I had to go outside of my area to be able to earn the PhD. So I did it in cognitive science. And that's how this whole thing developed. And it's brain performance, essentially, and the way I speak of it is how it unfolds in the behaviors of the mind and body. Okay. So what people don't, fully understand is communication and cognition. Cognition is thinking. They develop across our lifetime. Mm. And especially when we're young, hand in hand, they go, they develop side by side.
2: Okay. Yeah. So
3: even at the beginning of thinking about communication, I always focused on thinking. Thinking was the most important thing to me in terms of Mm. how Our communication and thinking skills are intertwined. And then when I went back and got the degree in cognitive science, now it was okay, how does brain performance unfold in thinking? And then how does thinking affect our behaviors physically and mentally?
2: Oh.
0: (laughs) A lot to unpack. A
3: lot to unpack is right. And but hopefully once I explain to you how it works, you'll be able to analyze all your neighbors and friends Mm -hmm. in a heartbeat. (laughs) (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> <laughs> they don't have to know
2: Shh, quiet <laughs> yeah you're yeah.
3: like oh that makes so much sense <laughs> about that person but so then in doing so i then i got a job as college professor i've been a college professor for almost 25 years now believe it or not and uh in my role, I had to do research, I was teaching, and I was in a department for speech-language pathology, but I did all the thinking stuff. Okay. So what I did was I started exploring neurotherapies, and I didn't even know what I was doing at the time, and now there's two books on it. Norman, Dr. Norman Deutsch. if you know about his books, okay. uh, The Brain's Way of Healing is his newest book, and in that book he mentions neurofeedback. And his first book is The Brain That Changes Itself. And it's on neuroplasticity. And he talks about all different kinds of neurotherapies that are out there. And so, you know, when I did this, it was 15, 18 years ago where I thought to myself, to be able to get to communication and thinking, I need to get directly to the brain. Mm -hmm. And I partnered with a neuropsychologist and we started using EEG. And EEG is what measures brain performance, okay. the electricity basically in our brains. Ooh. So I've been doing it for a long time. And, and what happened was I was using all these different neurotherapies and like most of them could kind of get you an inch in the journey that we were trying to do in terms of helping people think and communicate better. Yeah. Then when I found neurofeedback, neurofeedback could get people a mile mm. and now I joke that I still own all those neurotherapies, and I'm certified in them, but they're in a closet in you know in the back of my mm. office, and I still think they have utility, and we keep threatening all the time i I have a practice that's called Lee Brain and spine, where I work with my husband oh, that's and nice. I, I yeah it's that's fun really and i keep I keep joking that we need to pull the rest of that stuff out of the closet and incorporate it. <laughs> but what happens is neurofeedback can really get people results in terms of being able to think calmly and to focus. I always call it calm focus. Calm focus. People are able to get into calm focus without having to do anything. Oh, it, Their brain does it themselves for them. Mm. And so that's kind of how it developed. So then we moved from Buffalo, New York, where it's still very cold today, (laughs) to Chapel Hill, where it's lovely. Exactly. So we moved here seven and a half years ago. I left my position at the university and I promised myself I wouldn't go back into academia, that I would try to start a neurofeedback practice. So in moving here, I said, okay, I'm going to, you know, start a neurofeedback practice. And I convinced my husband, my husband is, licensed as a chiropractic physician. He's a chiropractor and we bought his practice. So it was up and running and it had, okay. you know, hundreds of clients when we bought it. And I convinced him to give me the back room, one room in the back to start this neurofeedback practice. Just one, yeah, <laughs> yeah Basically drawer. it was like a drawer. <laughs> and so then I opened my doors and people did not come, come running in. I oh. will tell you. And there's lots of videos, there's videos because now I teach neurofeedback doctors how to market from their heart and to be able to educate people because people don't understand neurofeedback. So you can't convince people they need something they don't understand. Very true. (laughs) So now I have a consulting business where I do that. So that's pretty cool. And I have lots of doctors across the country and the world actually now I'm working internationally now. You're
2: making an even bigger impact. Then what you would have just it is own, yeah practice
3: and honestly that was always part of my plan because I consider myself first and foremost an educator
2: right yeah and
3: so when I started the practice my plan was always I thought it was going to be like a 10-year plan to take myself out of it but I ended up doing that in five years I taught my husband how to do all the day-to-day oh wow ins and outs of neurofeedback, and he's certified to be able to offer that. And okay. we have two technicians who work in the office. So what happened was people didn't come, you know, flocking in, but I figured out how to communicate it to people. And six months later, we had the beginning of a thriving practice. So I had one room and then I had two rooms and then I had three rooms and my husband was not that overjoyed, oh, no. but then we ended up. He's like, back up. Yeah, he was. He's like, listen, you've got the whole office. Yeah. This is a problem. I am like, no, it's not because I'm crushing this yeah. thing. We need, we need to expand. Yeah. So anyways, we got the suite across from We're in an office building with four suites and now we have two of them.
0: Okay. Great. And
3: one suite's dedicated to neurofeedback and we've hired a psychologist because I'm not a licensed mental health professional. So we have a licensed mental health professional now in our office with us, which I always felt that was an important component. And uh, so that's kind of how it developed. And we have a really thriving practice. And now, as I'll probably share a little bit, we have levels of neurofeedback, because it's very important for me to be able to get neurofeedback into the hands of everybody, not just, you know, the people who can really afford a comprehensive program. There's comprehensive programs for those who have the time, money, and energy to invest in it. But then I have lots of levels of services to be able to help anybody who wants the help.
1: Really cool. You're doing some really amazing things that so many people need. And what I love about it most is that there's something for everyone. You can take small steps, no matter what your budget is and And you're sharing it, you're sharing it willingly. You want everyone to know and understand. It's so good. Would you mind, Trish explaining to us a bit about how neurofeedback works or what that looks like when you get
3: involved with neurofeedback? Yeah, absolutely. So first, I'm going to tell you real briefly, I promise it won't be too painful how <laughs> brains how brains work because i in these I have lots of videos on YouTube, but of course, it's very quick and concise. The idea is that there's five main brain speeds that our brains use at any given point within our day and across our days based on circadian rhythms. Most people kind of get the ebb and flow of how we function across a day. So basically our brains can use a speed from extra slow all the way to extra fast. Okay. Extra slow speed. It's called Delta is the speed that keeps you asleep. Okay. So it's extra slow. And just to give you a little, a bit of the scientific ideas behind it, it's measured in Hertz cycles per second. Mm. Slow speed is called theta and it's a little bit faster. It's about five cycles per second. And it's the speed that your brain uses when you feel groggy. You know, most people know what it feels like when you just woke up and you're like in a daze or if you're tired at night, you feel exhausted. Yeah. That's theta. Then a little bit faster speeds called alpha that's medium speed and it's 10 Hertz. It's a little bit faster. Okay. And what, what alpha does, it's the speed for calm, which this is at risk these days for most people are not okay. able to use it. And one of the strategies I tell people to do is just sit on your couch, sit there for 10 minutes and do absolutely nothing. And if you're able to do that and to feel relaxed, you're able to get into alpha. Okay. Alpha is the speed that you use when you're not really thinking, you're just chilling. Okay. Then low beta is at about 15 hertz. So it's a little bit faster. That's focus.
2: Mm. Okay. So
3: focus. and it's calm focus. So when you go to work or if your child's going to school and they're taking a test, we need their brain to get into 15 hertz for them to be able to produce and come up with the answers and feel calm okay. while they're doing it. Then extra fast speed is called high beta. High beta can be 35, 40, 50 hertz. It can be really fast. That's the speed that creates and perpetuates stress and anxiety. Oh, okay. Your brain is using electrical energy that is really too fast to be calm and focused. It's the monkey mind. It's associated with the monkey mind or brain that's bouncing off the walls. Okay, yeah. It puts your system into adrenal fatigue and you know I call it wired and tired okay so if you're all stressed out all the time you're you're wiring your brain is just wired it's hot it's fast energy coming off of it and that heat is not sustainable for a productive happy life
2: okay yeah
3: and then it 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 leads to it leads to burnout and which then leads to depression oh my gosh that's so
1: fascinating
3: the adhd brain pattern is proven by thousands of scientific studies to be too much theta too much groggy speed oh okay so when someone's typically born with adhd it's an organic pattern that brain's using much too much of fall asleep mode and that's why stimulant medications are prescribed to keep that brain awake for the day
2: makes sense yeah
3: so that's kind of how it, how ADHD fits on that continuum of anxieties far out to the right in excessive extra fast speed, ADHD's down here in the slow speed, and then brains that struggle with addiction have both of them going with too much too much oh. extra fast and too much slow.
2: Okay, simultaneously.
3: Interesting. Simultaneously. So you know how we were talking about a positive feedback loop. (laughs) When you use an anxiety brain pattern, you are creating the beginning of a negative feedback loop, of a downward spiral. Right. Wow. And all these books on neuroplasticity basically are saying that our brains have the power to change themselves, to wire in the way that your mode is operating. So that's good or bad. Neuroplasticity can be our best friend if we're doing all the right stuff, or our worst enemy if we're doing all the wrong stuff.
2: Ooh, good point.
3: <laughs> so, if you are stressed out and you allow yourself to then, and don't get me wrong, sometimes it's not allowing yourself, you're so badly stuck in a negative feedback loop, you no longer can control it. Right,
0: right. So, do you mind explaining what a feedback loop
3: is, positive and negative? So the feedback loop basically is whatever brain mode you're using, you're going to get more of, and you're either, if it's a negative one, you're going to get more negative Mm -hmm. aspects. If it's a positive one, you're going to get more positive. And so the way I talk to people about it in our office is if you come in and you're using an anxiety brain pattern, you go out into the world and you're stressed out. It gives you social anxiety. So now you don't want to go to parties. So now you're isolating yourself Mm -hmm. Your spouse is mad at you because you never go out. That in essence is a negative feedback loop. Yes. Then you feel worse about yourself. Then you eat a tub of ice cream. Then you sleep 14 right? hours, yeah. but still feel bad. Like literally it's like your, the brain pattern creates a negative behavior or negative behaviors. And then you get negative consequences, which hardwires in the brain pattern. Okay. Now, when people come in and have a neurofeedback program, We shift the way that their brain is operating. Then they get a positive behavior. And one of the strategies that I always tell people is to celebrate the small wins. Right. So if someone's in a program with us, and then now, and this is a true story, a woman took her daughter to the zoo. She hadn't taken her daughter anywhere in a couple of years. And she had Mm -hmm. taken her daughter to the zoo. And then that, of course, made her feel awesome. Her daughter was happy. Yeah. And at the beginning of a program, I tell people that's great, but literally celebrate it. Like buy yourself a cup of coffee, like yeah. make a very big deal out <laughs> oh, of it. I like that. <laughs> yeah.
2: Reward yourself for doing that. Yeah.
3: <laughs> because when you do that, what happens is more positive brain pattern gets you a positive behavior, gets you in really awesome consequence and starts hardwiring in the new pattern that we're creating through neurofeedback. Okay. And when people get more and more of the positive behaviors that they're looking for, and they reward themselves, the neurofeedback works better. And that's how we're able to move people forward and then have them not have permission.
2: That's perfect. Yeah,
3: right.
0: That makes so much sense. I mean, even just with something like social anxiety, when I'm Forcing myself to go and then noticing that it's not so bad and going, Oh, that was really fun. You know, go me. Let's do it again. The more I do it, the less it seems like such a daunting task. And then eventually
3: it's not an issue at all. I talk about that all the time because I'm totally an introvert Mm -hmm. and I can, I can talk to people. I've done a presentation for a thousand people for eight hours. Wow. (laughs) Not think about it twice. Yeah. I made a blog post where, you know, I had to go to this dinner with like eight people and I almost died. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So funny. So how neurofeedback actually works as a neurofeedback session. And we, we offer neurofeedback in our office at Libra and Spine. Now we offer home neurofeedback. I was looking for a system that I felt about using with people remotely mm-hmm. and I found one two years ago now and we've been using it with lots many people across the world actually um, it uses an online platform but what happens is people either watch a video or play a game mm. And when their brain is in the zone of making more of the speed for calm focus, those speeds in the middle of perfectly fast, calm focus speed, when your brain uses that speed, your video plays bright and the audio plays louder. Okay. If your brain goes out of that zone into the stressed out extra fast speed or the too slow ADD or non-focused speed, the video goes dim and the audio goes lower. Okay. Oh. And, and there's all different variations. There's games too. If for young kids, we have games that they can use where there's a guy who runs and your guy runs faster, the more you're in the zone, Interesting. Wow, but it's yeah. always the same element of visual and auditory feedback that is helping to shape the way that your brain is using the speeds. It's basically teaching your brain to use more of calm focus speed and less of wired and tired speed. Right. And that's why over time it hardwires in. And then going back to what I said about the positive feedback loop, when you come in for a session, like literally your high beta goes down, your theta goes down based upon what's happening in your session. so cool. Which allows you to go out into the world and to be able to do some of the things you couldn't do comfortably before, which makes your next session even better. Right, And the coolest part of all of it is that it's all scientifically measurable. That's awesome. So in our office and online, we use a platform that shows me what a person's brain is doing within every session and across sessions. Hmm. So I can quantifiably, measurably see that a person's brain performance pattern is actually changing.
1: Right. Wow. And so the program actually makes those changes as well. Do you look at it and say, here are some other strategies as well or do you just sort of let the neurofeedback do its job and and let people know what the changes are?
3: We offer a few different programs, but every single one of them has an element of what I call neurocoaching okay. where I meet with people and I interpret and my husband does it in the office too. there's a combo in the office but we interpret the trend graphs. We analyze and interpret them, and we share that with people. So when people come into the office, we share their trend screens every seven sessions. Okay. So every seven sessions, they can see where their brain was and where it is now. Ooh, that's so exciting. And that I think, yeah, it's so cool. And then when people work with us in the online program, we look at the trend screens once a month. Oh, okay. And then this way, you can you can literally see it with your own eyes. And that was important for me to include in our program. what happens is if anybody there's of course like brains are all different so some brains train really fast some Mm -hmm. are slower trainers it's called brain training that's why i'm calling it training (laughs) but most people most people it's medium speed in the middle but so we look at the graphs all the time but having those meetings set makes it so that everybody is communicating and so with frequency and then in those neuro coaching calls we usually don't give people any strategies at the outset because if you just think about it logically, if that person's brain is so jacked up, mm. which is not a technical <laughs> word, but if it's so <laughs> if it's Minus. really it's really <laughs> off the charts in terms of using anxiety mode or using overwhelmed lack of focus mode, the first thing we need to do is just get those levels down. Yeah. So we usually don't give any strategies mm-hmm. till at least a month later. That's where we where I designed that program. Because a month later, I can see those levels are down, which means you're ready for some strategies. If the levels haven't come down because they were so high in the first place, I give you one little thing to do that you can handle. And people thank me all the time. They're like, thank you for only giving me one thing and not 10, because I wouldn't be (laughs) able to do it. Too many things. (laughs) Hi, Beta. Hi, Beta.
2: (laughs) They're anxious about the strategies. Yeah, exactly.
3: That's exactly right. (laughs) When people are ready, I give them anything that they want. And then we give people a login to one of the courses that I've created. The bigger courses are like 20 hours of information. You know, it's a ton of information. It's all broken down into short videos so that people can access that quickly. Very
2: nice. Yeah.
0: You talked about this a little bit, but what does it look like when you go into a session? What physically
3: are you doing in a session? So physically, what I tell people to do is just to have a calm and relaxed, which isn't always that easy, but relaxed mind and body. Mm -hmm. So with people who really have like just talking about anxiety and high beta, if people really have a lot of anxiety, I recommend they just watch a movie because really the movie or even the game is just something for the mind to engage with while the brain does the workout. Okay. So if you're, and the goal is just to get sucked into the video that you're watching so that your brain becomes as plastic as possible Okay. and not to think about what you're doing at all, because the minute you think about it, you're now using high beta and you're overthinking (laughs) about it. As people move through the program, if they want to, Mm -hmm. I kind of talk about it as graduating them to using it as neuro meditation. Mm -hmm. And I've worked with many people who have been able to transcend the idea of like just conquering their issues. And now they want to really get control of their brain. Right. And there's different there's different games or applications in our programs that they can do that. That's great. Yeah. This woman who runs a hospital and she was bordering on alcoholism because she'd just run the hospital all day. She had children. She'd go home. And the only way to bring her brain down from all that was to have, you know, one, two, three drinks. Yeah. She did not want that. So she was really diligent about using neurofeedback. So cool. And there's so many stories I could share like this, but this is just one example so instead every night she'd do neurofeedback, That's awesome. which replaced the habit of drinking, but then she really got good at it. And she's like, what can I do so that I can actually think about this? So if you want to think about it, then I can teach you how to do that. And you focus in on the positive feedback and you you're still relaxing your mind, but basically in the end, you can learn how to meditate if you want to.
0: That's so interesting. So when you're in a session and you're watching the video, staying in your calm focus, what is tracking your brainwaves? What is that technology
3: like? So our at-home program, I use this tool that I think the whole world should run and buy one. Not today because I need to order some, but <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's called the Musecom Headband. Okay. M-U-S-E-C-A-L-M. And I'm what they call a, a MuseCom ambassador, and I have a professional account through them to be able to offer services using the MuseCom headband. Got it. So for our home neurofeedback, we use the MuseCom headband, but we have our own application which has that online platform. So we can make the MuseCom headband do more and so it also has a sensor so we use sensors in the office we use similar technology but it's research grade computer systems of course. where we use sensors that read how your brain is performing and it doesn't put anything into you it's read only so it's reading how your brain is performing
2: <laughs> it's important for people to know yeah, yeah.
3: <laughs> the reason that's important is because that doesn't put anything into you it just helps you to teach your brain how to perform better. Mm-hmm. There is technology out there that puts the brain speed in. Okay. And so one of them is called transcranial magnetic stimulation. So and that's TMS is uh yeah, yeah, yeah. is being used widely, but the science on that shows that people can have ab reactions when you put that speed in. And the idea is you put the speed into the brain to try to get the brain to come online and use more of that speed. That's not what we do. We Our sensors are read-only, and it's gently nudging your brain towards that speed of calm focus. But there's no ab reactions. All the scientific studies, and that new study that I was telling you about that looks at a lot of information, mm-hmm. there's no negative side effects of neurofeedback, which is obviously... Fantastic in the days of, you know, there's many things. So great. Mm -hmm. And you're kind of
2: teaching, like you said, kind of teaching the brain to do that for itself rather than artificially kind of stimulating it to (laughs) Yeah. And (laughs) it's
3: it's it's called operant conditioning. So it goes back to Pavlov's dog, and most people know the study of classical conditioning. Mm -hmm. So operant conditioning takes that one step further. And I've already explained it to you. It's the feedback loops. So the essence of the feedback loop is operant conditioning which has so many other studies, like not even in using neurofeedback, operant conditioning is one of the strongest ways for us to learn anything.
1: Really cool. You're doing some really amazing things that so many people need. And what I love about it most is that there's something for everyone. You can take small steps, no matter what your budget is, and, and you're sharing it, you're sharing it willingly. You want everyone to know and
3: understand. It's so good. Absolutely. This, this world needs it. One of my kids asked me, I don't know, a couple of years ago for school, they wanted to know one, basically the question was one initiative that the president could put forward that would really be a game changer for our country. And I said, everybody should be doing neurofeedback because if they <laughs> were, good, yeah. it would be offsetting all of our anxiety and it would be helping us to be on purpose and focused and feeling good, which literally would have a huge ripple effect across the world. Yes brains attuned to each other. Most people don't understand that. And I'm sure you felt it before. If you're in the room with someone who's super stressed out and they don't even talk, you leave being more stressed Absolutely. out because your brain just sped up because you were next to that brain. So it literally could have a ripple effect of change if people, you know, we all using strategies and we're using the technology.
0: Yeah. And I think a lot of people don't understand what the science is and how they can take steps forward. So it's so great that you're able
3: to share that information. Yeah. And I said that to, I said that to my littlest daughter, who's nine the other day, I said, I just need a few minutes to myself. And of course she was a little myth. Simply, I needed some time so I could come back and still give you a lot of love and positive energy. I need a little time to reboot, you know. We talk a lot on the
1: show about filling your cup. And so you have to fill your own cup and especially you right? um, you're filling people's cups all day. And then also you have five children. So
3: that's the way that you're filling your cup, right? Yeah. And, and the, that's the number one strategy I talk about a little different, but filling your cup is exactly the thing that I tell people. I tell people to find, I call it their meditation. But basically, it's their cup, cup filler, yeah. find the one or two things that you that, you know, fills your cup, the thing that, you know, puts your brain into calm focus. So like my husband golfs. So he golfs two or three times a week because that's the thing that rejuvenates him. Right. Are you sure that he's not just saying that? <laughs> <Likely> <laughs> well, it's so story. funny because I'm the one who told him. Before, he would not golf because he felt bad going golfing because we have so many young kids. And I'm like, it's the thing that you do. And then other people would say, can you tell my wife that brain stuff? (laughs) I know, that's so good. (laughs) The number one thing I ask people when I start working with them is what is the thing that you love to do that puts your brain into calm focus? And then they always go, you know, I like to sew, I like to knit, I like to play pool, I like to play darts. Then I say, when's the last time you did it? oh, I don't do that anymore. Aww. And then I say, well, then you need to start. And that's just where we're at. So the number one thing you can do is start filling your own cup, but it's not selfish. People think it's selfish. It's the thing that will allow you to be able to produce the work you want to and be there for the people that you care about. Absolutely. What does that look like for you? And so for me, I work out every day. I, I love to read. I read every day. So when my daughter wanted me to listen to her more I was about to sit down and read for a little while and that's why I'm like I'm reading right now just let me chill I actually have just read a new book on burnout and uh even before that, I wanted to take boxing classes, but in my lifestyle, I haven't been able to make it up to the boxing. So my husband's really cute because he knows how I feel about all this stuff. Yeah. He bought me, I call him the general, he bought me a boxing bag that looks like a man, oh. but he's got like a real crate. <laughs> funny. Because before that, I had bought myself boxing gloves and like a backpack to go to the boxing no, class. Yes. Of course, I never made it. But now I kickbox every day. I have an app with kickboxing workouts. And it's amazing. And what it does is it closes the stress cycle. So every day, and I've worked out every day before that, but I find it really fun. Like the other workouts, it was more like, I it forced myself to work yes. out this. I really look forward to and I knew I would, which is why I wanted to go to the class. And I've been doing that now for like four or five months. It's awesome. really fun.
0: Yeah. You're so cool.
3: It's so yeah. cool.
0: I used to box a lot and I still love
3: it. Yeah. It is a great energy release for sure. I know, and I feel like I was walking the other day, and and I don't remember where I was, but I'm like, if somebody jumps out at me right now, I hope I have muscle memory where I can
0: use all those combinations. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So what are you reading right now? Or what are some books that you think people should get into? It doesn't have to be science related.
3: Yeah, sure. And uh, it's so funny, because I and this is the peek into my brain too. Like you know, getting two degrees at once instead of getting one. Why get one when you can get two? Right. Um, I have so many books going at all times, and I find the books when I recommend them to people, they're kind of like, I tried to read that, and... <laughs> but there's so many good books right now that are based on neuroscience, but don't tell you that they're based on neuroscience. And I think that's the oh, the coolest thing. P- people and I'm always reading in like the self-development space Mm -hmm. you know and most of those books are just based on neuroscience and and a lot of them now are recognizing that and the people are looking for the science behind what they just knew to be true intuitively i don't know if you know who mel robbins is she has a book it's a little it's a year too old now but most people haven't heard of it it's called the five second rule yes and it's such an easy rule like i love books like that for 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 people who don't want to read big, lengthy books. And it's not about picking up food that you've dropped on the floor.
0: No. <laughs> yeah, no,
3: it's not. It's not about uh, something's got some dust on it, no. But it's real cool where she just gives you one strategy, and I like that. And then there's another author who's a little bit more challenging, but not really. It's still fun. His name's Charles Duhigg. Okay. His The latest book is Smarter, Faster, Better, and it's all based on neuroscience, but – again, like a fun read, but I use the term fun pretty loosely. (laughs) Fun for us, fun for people like
2: us. I do that to my students too. It's fun. Oh,
3: (laughs) Yeah, they're, they're really cool. My, and I tell people all the time, any book, you know, that has the word happy in it that has a lot of five stars is probably based on neuroscience too, because people who are writing in the happiness space right now are really doing the research. I joke that my Kindle is filled. You would think I would, if you picked it up on accident, you'd think I was the most miserable person in the entire <laughs> world trying to figure out how to become happy. But I'm not at all. And I've been reading in this space every day I read and I attribute it to why I feel, you know, authentically happy most of the time, even though, you know, I have so many working parts because I put positive stuff into my brain every single day and it offsets any negative stuff that might be coming out. Yeah, me. you're feeding it.
0: That's awesome.
3: Yeah, yeah, just feeding it, you know, positive juju as I like to call it. Yeah. So uh yeah, so there's, you know, a lot of great books if you just google happiness or happy. Most of those are, you know, if they're they have lots of followings, it's probably a good book. So what I've done is I've created my own website at drtrishlee.com and every week I publish a blog post there. And on that website, if people want more tips, um, they used to. I used to have it called Brain Tips, but I know better. Like nobody cares about their brain. <laughs> yeah, call it something so, sexy. Yeah, it is. Yeah, exactly. Well, now I just I call it Tips to Reach Your Full Potential. And nice. if people join up, they get a little guide on how to reach their full potential. But then every week I send out the link to the blog post, and I've I've been doing that for a long time, and I get such great positive feedback because the way that I have it structured is that it's always tips for people on what they can do in their own life surrounding different topics that have to do with attention and anxiety primarily. And then just one more thing is that using the MuseCom, and this is developed out of popular uh, people asking me to do it, is that I've created a service for $49 where if you get the MuseCom headband, but you want accountability and you want, an expert to be able to look at how your brain is performing for less than $50 a month. What I do is I analyze people's graphs using the Musecom and they don't get to talk to me, but I make a video and analyzing what their brain did within that month. And then if they have questions, they email me a question and I'll answer them individually and send it to them, not make a YouTube video.
0: That's amazing.
3: And, and then this way it motivates people. It's like a personal trainer and you know so yeah people are really
0: yeah and people would spend way more money for a trainer for their physical health so it's important for you to take that into consideration for your mental health as well
3: definitely and and physical health improves when our mental health improves the same thing you work out your brain for your mental health your body follows so it's i think it's the most important thing you can do seriously
1: amazing. We've been needing you. So thank you so much for all of the amazing information. Yeah, no problem. My
3: pleasure. Thanks for having me on. I really appreciate it. I love talking about neurofeedback feedback and brains. My husband one time, he was meeting a friend out and he called me. He's like, do you want to join us to get a drink? I go, sure. He goes, just don't talk about brains or
1: neurofeedback." <laughs> oh you. my gosh.
2: I think we can say safely that we love talking about it now, too. So thank you so much for your time. It was really fun. Yes. Thank you so much.
0: Yeah, no problem. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. If you're as fascinated by neurofeedback as we are and are interested in trying it for yourself, click the link in this episode description for 15% off your purchase of a Muse headband, courtesy of Dr. Trish Lee. Thank you everyone for listening to this episode of Health, It's Personal. Follow us wherever you get your podcasts for bonus
1: episodes and new releases every Wednesday. Please listen, subscribe, engage, and send us topics we can explore that would help you on your journey.
3: Because health, it's personal.